Good afternoon. Welcome to the channel. Final bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, we look at the market today, today and the, the trade action really saw some, some lower numbers in the corn. Uh, even in a soybean meal, seeing some downward numbers, definitely saw some higher numbers on the livestock side, especially feeder cattle leading the way on their trade. We're going to take a look at a variety of different factors that are that are working in for this market today, including some spread action. We're going to look at what's going on in the grains. Of course, the Fed's big event yesterday with their news conference. We'll talk about how that's weighing in on one set of commodities, but maybe not so much the other. Lots to talk about today as we are being joined by Mike Zuzalo, Mike with Global Commodity Analytics. And let's talk about these spreads. What are you seeing in the price action for the grains today, Mike? Yeah, pretty interesting price action day today, Susan. Not a lot as far as being able to associate one or two major things moving everything. You know, probably going to have to reverse engineer maybe a little bit of what we talk about today. What was most noteworthy um, that maybe we can hang a little bit of fundamentals on is the fact that the Nov Nov bean spread, Nov 23 minus Nov 24 has now gotten back to a positive 25 and a half cents, while the Dees 23, Dees 24 corn spread has made a new low of just over a negative 40 cents. And so those two spreads, especially with the November 23 in delivery, um, I would probably suggest that those two spreads are suggesting the trade is feeling very secure and the soybean demand continuing uh, for the foreseeable future while they're getting more and more nervous about the corn demand uh, as we go into the holidays. And I I would say as maybe part of a caveat to that is that none of the grain trade really took hold of the Federal Reserve, um, the sharply higher crude oil prices, the sharply lower U.S. dollar, the sharply higher bond prices. Um, No one really wanted to seem to touch that. I think they stuck with export sales, which were probably a little bit more friendly on soybeans, and also a a newswire story that came out just before um, midnight last night that maybe maybe tweaked the market in favor of buying beans and selling corn, and that was uh, China's CNGOIC, uh, their Grain and Oil Information Center, said that they could see 23 soybean imports climbing 15% to 105 million metric tons. I think the trade probably feeling like 101, 102 was the very top end. And I know we're talking China real quick. It's making me jump to African swine fever and, and thinking the, the link with the grain possibilities. What are you hearing right now when it comes to increased ASF in China and how that could affect some future grain purchases? Yeah, what I'm hearing right now is two different things. For, for, you know, to put it right up there on the table to begin with is that you could almost get two different stories. Um, I think what I feel more comfortable saying at this point, not knowing which is the issue as far as whether it's bad or not, is that the larger producers are probably the ones dealing with it very well compared to the smaller producers so that net-net their production levels are still elevated and that has shown up in the price of Chinese pork in the cash market uh, in several key provinces where pork is uh, heavily produced, especially their uh, northeastern areas of China. Um, I think on top of that, you've had a couple earnings reports, say, from Yum China and WH Group. Um, they note excess hog supplies, and so that African swine fever doesn't seem like it's really 
impacting the supplies or tightening those supplies up too much. All right. Well, we had that Fed discussion that's been taking place the last couple of days. And uh, yesterday around that one thirty central time, they did their news conference. As you look at that information that was released, how are you seeing that, especially when you look at grain versus livestock in the Fed's talk? Yeah, I think the best way to describe it when it comes to the press conference and their written statements, um, probably two of the more um, linked together and not diffused, uh, uh, separated uh, types of uh, commentary versus press uh, briefing and, and their statement was the trade, I think, is moving from maybe a Fed pause mindset to a Fed hold mindset. In other words, maybe no rate increase for the rest of 2023, and so we can skip through December without having to worry as much about them. I think the market did react in that way, and I think this is where the, the financials, especially with the Dow Jones futures as we go on the air here, up over 500 points and seeing the cattle and hog markets rally very substantially. Hogs leading the show over 4% higher in the December contract, and that was not due to uh, export sales. Those were only up 1% versus the four-week average. I think what you're seeing maybe is the market trying to put in a low for China, um, especially given what the Federal Reserve did as far as the currencies. And maybe what we're seeing now is a return to buy proteins and sell grains. We'll see if that has any legs to it as we close out the week tomorrow. All right. Lots of things that we are, we're taking a look at on the, on these market trade for the fact that, uh, a lot of, um, maybe bated breath, shall we say, Mike, waiting to find out how the Fed reaction was going to be and if there was going to be any interest rate changes. So nice to see that we got a little bit of a hold off for a little bit, at least for another month, right? Yes, and I think the, the strong relationship between the bond yields and the U.S. dollar and the strong negative relationship between the soft red wheat and the dollar would suggest, okay, at some point the soft red wheat really needs to catch if, if my analysis has been correct. And that's been one of the major features pushing down on the wheat markets, creating us uh, to go back down towards that 540, 540 low, and, and in turn has also pushed down on the corn market as well. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming back. We'll talk about this wheat market as well. Some warmer weather hitting parts of Kansas as this winter wheat crop. We'll see how it is doing emergence-wise. And we've got the cold snaps but taking place. But how much is the market paying attention to what we're seeing in the trade? We'll also continue to take a look at what's happening on the higher numbers for the feeder cattle. Also, that South American weather. Is there concerns? There's been a bit of rumblings going on. We're going to get that and a whole lot more. Stick around. We've got the second half coming up just around the corner. It's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids is combining with Channel and the other nine regional brands to become the new enhanced Channel Seed brand. So what does that mean for you? Well, for starters, a best of both worlds product portfolio as both brands come together in 2025. Also, greater local agronomic support and more innovation and digital tools. Contact your local Fontenelle and Channel Seed professionals today for the best discounts. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Mike Suzlo. Of course, Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And I like the fact, Mike, that you are in Kansas. You get to see and, and even hear firsthand from some of these winter wheat growers and as some bit of moisture and now some warmer temperatures coming this next week. How do you see that assessing, you know, towards dormancy that'll happen later and the boosting of these stands? 
Yeah, I think it's a good reason why we haven't been able to get off the lows set back from the end of last month, you know, which was just last week, Susan. We're still sitting uh, very close to that 625 and a half uh, low made back during the month of October with today's close right around 640. I, I did notice, I think, and this kind of goes together with what you were saying. I talked to a producer, too, in the middle of the week uh, in central Kansas. And they've been blessed with some rains and their crop is looking better, and that matched up with the crop conditions report showing that Kansas was 91% planted versus 85% a year ago. Their condition ratings at 61%, good to excellent for Kansas, versus the nation overall at 47%. So for, I think, once in four years, or the first time in five or four years, we're actually seeing Kansas conditions better than the national average. And so I think the market has priced a lot of that in. However, it seems like they've been very sensitive to that. And one of the things you bring to mind by asking that question was what's going on in Argentina and Australia. I've heard a lot of people in the trade talking about Argentina's weather getting better. It has improved. But it'll be interesting to see what the trade does tonight and on Friday because the Buenos Aires Grains Exchange just came out here a little bit ago and cut their wheat production for Argentina by 5%, going down to 15.4 million metric tons. USDA's October number was 16.5. I think Argentina and Australia are still net-net losing production and barely holding on to what they have. Is there still a concern out there about an abundance, though, of of global wheat and and still, obviously, all the issues happening in the Black Sea region? I've seen less of that. I think it's still looming out there, but I think I've seen more of of the balance sheets suggesting um, and and some of the comments suggesting that the wheat is now in balance and that we will have good demand. Um, I think it's still very hard to get an idea of where we sit in Ukraine. I can read one statistic, and and it says that Ukraine's uh, year-to-date exports marketing year uh, at 9.2 million tons for grains versus 13.4 year ago. Uh, And and then I see another newswire blurb that says that their food exports have been up. And so I think the Black Sea and the Baltic region is still kind of a a, a foggy, um, nebulous-type market right now. And I continue to watch that European market for direction. And so far, it really hasn't provided much. And overall, the world weather has been kind of on a mix, as you talked a little bit about Australia and and seen in Argentina. We know that Brazil also has been having some weather concerns in parts of their countries. Yeah, and it's and it's a feast and famine type scenario, too. Very odd, but I guess it makes sense with El Nino because I sent out on the mood update along with your audio from KRVN a map showing how Mato Grosso in, in center west Brazil is going to remain very dry in the 8- to 14-day forecast while flooding rains of upwards of 180, mil, 180 millimeters uh, is expected across the provinces like Paraná and Santa Catarina regions of southern Brazil, and they're looking at probably uh, creating some pretty difficult planting delays Uh, in planting conditions for corn and soybeans. And I think between that and the Chinese news and the Federal Reserve showing those outside markets wanting to rally, that's probably why the trade went ahead and bid into the apple of buying back into the bean complex and taking that bean-corn ratio to its highest level since mid-September today. What about on the livestock side? I mean, these feeder cattle are kind of leading the way for the cattle complex in general. Yeah, they are, and it makes sense that they would be because we did correct that feeder fat spread back into the low mid-50s feeders premium to fat cattle, 
And then with the corn making new monthly lows almost every day this week so far, we've got that feeder corn ratio bouncing and suggesting, I think, to the funds to go ahead and buy feeders and sell corn. And, and lastly, obviously, the most important piece is the, the cash market is remaining very, very strong. The CME cash index, the feeder index, did take a drop at one point, but it did find some support at around 237. Now, keep in mind, after today, November feeders are $5 plus over that feeder cattle index. So I'm back on hedge watch when it comes to the futures minus the cash market, especially as we get into the fall here, and especially given Thanksgiving and turkey season uh, coming here on the retail side of the equation. Well, before we talk again next Thursday, what's the key thing that we need to be watching out for in the next week? I'd be real disappointed if the dollar continued to go down and the crude continued to go higher on an expansion in the Middle East of this war that the grains didn't start to pick up the pace a little bit. All right. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best way to go to globalcomresearch.com. It's globalcom with two M's, research.com. Sign up for a two-week free trial there and take a look at the product services. All right. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Channel Final Bell being brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional right here on the Rural Radio Network.